From Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. Maybe most importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and the brands that call it home can thrive for generations to come. Today we're going to give you a look behind the curtain at our company, Connext Media. We'll tell you about its beginnings at a conference in Atlanta, the wild long-term goals we have, and all about our journey from a one-man operation to a small business supporting the families of several Atlanta natives. You'll also get the rare opportunity to go inside the head of the spouse of an entrepreneur, which you definitely don't want to miss. It's all a part of our story, and hopefully at the end of the day, it's a story that can provide some hope and encouragement to our ATL neighbors. So sit back and enjoy the journey that has been Connects Media. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Have the other pieces of uh, Connects Media slash We Are Home ATL slash Atlanta Born and Brand team with me today. If you could just introduce yourselves for me, that would be great. My name is Chris Hilliard. I am Jonathan's younger brother. I uh, joined Jonathan uh, here at Connects Media about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. And uh, my background before that was in print media. And uh, and we're yeah. going to get there. We're going to get there. All right. The other distinguished gentleman in the room. Hey, guys. My name is Joshua Pruitt. I am the chief pilot here at Connects Media. We are home ATL, Atlanta born and brand. John and I have been working together for almost three years. That's nuts. Two and a half. Two and a half. Rounded up. Yeah. Would you say that you enjoy the title of chief pilot? Chef pilot. It's <laughs> ruined my joke. The whole thing there. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a great title. We've had some fun over the past two and a half years. You, you need to let the, the audience in on what chef pilot means. So chef pilot. John had to make me business cards three times. The first time the phone number was wrong. The because second you have a time. dumb area code. <laughs> yeah, because I have a dumb area code. The second time, instead of putting chief pilot, John put chef pilot. Um, Typo. Yeah. I know how to spell chief. Jury's out on that one. I even, like, I went through that second one with a fine-tooth comb. Clearly and that comb wasn't fine enough, John. How did we find out that your business card said chef pilot on it? Weren't we at Neymar? We were at a trade show. Yeah. We were. We were at Neymar. So what's a chef pilot? Yeah. What's well, a chef pilot? Whoops. Mm. Anyhow, now that we've established our credibility on this podcast, <laughs> uh, so we've we've talked to a lot of really great businesses in season one of this show, and I just want to get out there as sort of a disclaimer at the beginning: we are in no way, by doing this episode, trying to establish that we are on par with any of those businesses. Uh, to be honest with you. Um, we, are, we aren't in a lot of ways. A lot of those businesses have been around a lot longer than us. They have um, just been through the paces. They've perfected their crafts. And um, I look up to a lot of those uh, men and women in a lot of ways. But what I did want to do was make sure that uh, our audience knew the team that was behind um, creating this podcast and down the line, um, hopefully some, some other really great content based around uh, people that are doing amazing things in Atlanta. So I wanted to kind of get our story out there. So just to establish, hey, we're clearly nothing special. We're a very run-of-the-mill uh, type of organization here. But I think between the three of us, there's some pretty uh, cool stories about how we got here. So I'm actually going to turn over the host baton here uh, for the first time on this show. Uh, the first half of this episode to my former podcast partner uh, and little brother Chris. We uh, we did have a little 
Atlanta sports talk oh, show. The bro and bro. The bro show. and bro show. That was a thing. I'm sure you can find that in the in iTunes somewhere. I tried to get rid of it, but I think it lives on. <laughs> but anyhow, Chris, lead the conversation, brother. Where you take it, take it where you want to take it. Here, are we gonna have cool theme music like the bro and bro show did? The bro and bro <laughs> show did have a great theme song. I encourage you to go back and listen just for that purpose. But yeah, I just want to talk to uh, to Jonathan a little bit, just kind of about the origins of our business and and just kind of um, it's in, from its inception. Um, talk about uh, Jonathan. First of all, I, I remember uh, pretty vividly uh, you were at a conference with mm-hmm. uh, with at your previous job, and you came home from the conferences in Atlanta. You you were living in South Carolina at the time, and and you came home with this uh, this grand idea. That you explained to me uh, sitting on the couch at our parents' house. Uh, tell me about uh, that experience and, and what yeah. the initial vision was for uh, for this business. Well, long story short, um, this conference, it was the Digital Summit in Atlanta. And it was basically just all things digital media. Talking about social media strategy. Talking about how to incorporate video into what you're doing in your regular 9-to-5 jobs. And kind of sitting in on this conference, I was working... Uh, my background is in video production, and for the first 10 years of my career, I worked in athletics. So uh, I was working for a university at the time, my alma mater at, at South Carolina, and I was trying to apply the things I was learning at this conference to my 9 to 5, basically, and how I could get better and telling the brand story of South Carolina athletics and, and what we were going to do. Well, after sitting in this conference for two days uh, and kind of being back home in Atlanta and thinking about kind of the landscape of digital media, I just kind of got this thought in my head of, okay, what if there was a company in Atlanta that was focused hyper-local on telling great stories in a quality that maybe isn't always done on a local level? So like a 30 for 30 films or, uh, you know, like a National Geographic quality, like photography level or um you know like a a high level podcast uh storytelling platform that that really dove deep into some of those local stories that not only people could enjoy but because it was local it would intrinsically mean more to people because you could go to these people and actually talk to them and actually uh, support their businesses and actually see these places that you're hearing stories about uh, and I remember coming coming back to our folks' house that day, Chris, and, and telling you, what if we, what if there was this media company that was platform agnostic, that wasn't tied to a a print medium on a daily basis, or you know a radio signal that you had to program, you know either daily or 24 hours worth of content, but really just focused on getting out the best stories in whatever pace and whatever format that came in, and. Uh, that was where the idea was sort of hatched, uh, was that summer of 2016. I uh, had always thought about starting my own company, but I think at that point I still thought it was like 10 years down the line. Mm-hmm. It was something that I would kind of do the second half of my career as I paid my dues. But um, in 2016, I guess I was 31 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of got the itch at that point, and, and Josh is going to, make fun of me for this, but uh, the keynote speaker at that conference was somebody that I had um, been listening to and have been kind of ingesting his content for a while, but it was Gary Vaynerchuk. And he was not the... uh, Gary V plug. He was not the the first speaker at that conference that, that got me thinking this thought but he he's very brash, very upfront and basically said, Hey, if you like if you have dreams and aspirations, what are you doing about that? So that was the first thing that got me thinking, okay, maybe we can actually do this. So I think the the next big piece was uh obviously uh you weren't living in Atlanta at the no. time. Um no. but I'm from, you know, me knowing you and then obviously the way you've branded uh this company since its inception, it was important to you that you did this in Atlanta. Talk about that and and why that was the case. Well, I think the obvious answer is that Atlanta is a top 10 media market in the country. Uh, That's the very practical answer. So the number of eyeballs and ears uh, that are here in this city to consume quality content 
is much, much higher than it was in Columbia, South Carolina. But something I realized that week was that Atlanta is a lot different and was even in 2016 than, uh, than it was when I was growing up. And I kind of sort of fell in love with the city on a new level um, coming back as an adult married with kids and seeing all the new things about the city and the and the uh, old things that had been revitalized um, and really yeah just fell in love with the city all over again and as you'll hear from uh, our other guests later in this podcast it was not an easy sell to pick up uh, the family and move back to Atlanta for obvious reasons I'm married to a girl from a very small town and Atlanta is not her ideal <laughs> living locale. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's grown on her, as I hope she'll explain. But, yeah, so those are the reasons why why Atlanta. Um, and then you mentioned, too, that, that you'll you'll dive into more of kind of the personal side and, and, the, mm-hmm. and those challenges uh, with, with our other guests. Uh, but talk about business side. What were some of your fears? Mm-hmm. What were some of uh, your um, hesitations? coming yeah. back and, and starting a business for the first time? Well, I think long-term, the the idea of what we want our business to be is very large-scale. Uh, and it's very sort of unorthodox in the ways that it creates revenue and the ways that it grows uh, and the ways that it impacts the people around it. So if I, I have no, I had no experience running a company, so it wasn't like... I was going to write out this pitch deck and go to uh, venture capitalists or investors and say, hey, give me a million dollars so I can start my dream business. Um, That's also not really in my personality. I'm not a person who asks for things very well. Um, So I knew that in order to make this work, I had to come uh, come back home and start uh, generating revenue in another way. And basically the way that we ended up doing that, this was not the initial plan. I thought that was going to be through just freelancing and basically paying my family's bills through freelance while I built this other company. But I got to Atlanta and one of the major freelance opportunities I thought I was going to have completely fell through, Um, just wasn't there. So I was basically unemployed and starting a company that made no no money, (laughs) which was a problem. And so... Um, having the video production background that I did, uh, I turned to a market that I felt like there was a lot of opportunity and that was real estate. So I knew how to take pictures. I knew how to, um, make quality video content. And I thought that there was enough of a market in Atlanta and it wasn't oversaturated that I could build a small real estate production business basically. I had never taken real estate photos or videos. So when I got to town, I had one real estate video that I could show and it was of the house that I was trying to sell in South Carolina. And I had one set of photos and it was of the house that I was trying to sell in South Carolina. So didn't have much of a website to speak of. That was basically what I spent the first month doing was creating a website based totally on totally on real estate production and I and again long story short we've been very lucky and fortunate that um, we got the opportunity to do some some really uh, high level homes early on and that sort of got the ball rolling and uh, built this real estate media production company that we still run today called we are home ATL and that has kind of been the uh, the initial revenue driver of our company Talk about that a little bit, just kind of the importance of of just going out and just getting some content mm. to be able to sell yourself and be able to sell yourself as a videographer, as a photographer. Mm. Um, even if you weren't getting paid for it, you just yeah. you had to have something to be able to show your work, basically, and to be able to show yourself off. Talk about just uh, that process and, and how that dedication was, was crucial to, to generating some business. Well, I think if you don't have the proof on paper or in a portfolio of what you can do, you're not going to get hired. Um, And the easiest way to do that is to create content for free and all of a sudden you have a portfolio. But I won't lie to you, it was 
pretty rough sledding uh, the first month or month and a half uh, on the real estate side, we had zero paying jobs. And when I say we, I mean me. <laughs> and to the, basically the goal at that point was, okay, create a social media presence, go around town, take video and, and photos of um, you know the different towns and cities, show people the quality of work that we could do, and then literally beg a few people to let us do some work for free so we would have a more ro- robust portfolio. And that was what I did. I still remember the first client that let us do a, uh, a video at her half a million dollar house was Beth Boswell. Shout out. Shout out Beth, Beth Boswell. Boswell. Um, it turned out it was her house. <laughs> and the way I met her was that if you go on Zillow, you can find the open house schedules for all these houses that are for sale. And I got tired of sending emails and Facebook messages and nobody responding. So I literally just started going, driving around town to these open houses and knocking on the door and saying, hey, I'm Jonathan. I'm starting this business in Atlanta for uh, real estate agents to uh, do video and photo production. Can I do this place for free? And Beth said, yes, come back tomorrow and do this place for free. So all of a sudden... We had a great video, we had some photos, and Beth is the type of personality that if you treat her right, she treats you right, so she told a couple people, um, and it was a really slow burn for the couple first couple of months, but I remember the my first goal was, okay, I want this business in total to make $1,000 a week, and that was like high in the sky because a thousand dollars a week would have been more than the salary that I had at my old job and I remember you know it was several months in obviously when I hit that uh, goal I don't think Chris you might have been on at that point or or close to coming on and a thousand dollars a week I was like okay here we go like we've we have we've built something real Mm -hmm. at this point Bring in Mr. Pruitt here. Talk about how you yeah. uh, how you got hooked up with with Josh and um, how that relationship has has grown since that first meeting. Well, Josh, I'll let you tell the story, kind of how you remember it, maybe from your perspective first. Yeah. Okay. So John and I met. That would have been like right around Christmas time. Of yeah. 16. 16? Yeah. Uh, we got I got introduced to John from a mutual friend of ours in South Carolina that. Hey, said, hey, uh, this guy John I know is moving to Atlanta, is looking for a drone guy. Would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. I was doing a lot of freelance work at the time. And John and I went out and did a shoot together. That was that first house up in uh, Milton. Milton. Big, big house with the yeah. whole, all the horses, the horse property. It was like a $7 million house that we got hired to do exteriors from not because we were really good or we had a reputation, but because we responded to this guy's request on Thumbtack. Oh, that was the Thumbtack And we, we quoted him, the first time I went out there, I quoted him $100 to take exterior pictures, not knowing, there was no details about the house on here, not knowing that it was a 16,000 square foot, <laughs> $7 million property. But then after, he liked the exterior photos, obviously, uh, again, that was another opportunity. I took, I think, I took like fifty photos that day of just the outside of this house because it was an opportunity. hadn't obviously hadn't had the opportunity to shoot a seven million dollar house, so I knew that that was going to be like number one image on our website. So after we took those exteriors, he asked us to come back and do drone footage, uh, drone photos, and he asked me if I did that, and I didn't, but I said yes, I can do that because I had met, I had met Josh. So that was our first job together. Yeah, and it just kind of, things kind of snowballed from there. And it's been pretty solid for the past two and a half years. Yeah. Well, and I think what was cool for me is that, um, Chris, you were in Dalton still uh, working uh, as a sports writer at the time. And I think Josh and I, we may have met for coffee in like January when I first moved back. That's right. At Starbucks. At Starbucks in Snellville. Yeah. What up? Scenic Highway. Um, But I don't think we did that job till like March or April, maybe. So for those first two or three months, you ever, like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard entrepreneurs talk about just like loneliness being a real factor. 
And I think for me, like that was, that was a real thing. I was enjoying it because it was, I've always been somebody that like is, is willing to grind and hustle and put in the work. And I was enjoying like seeing the fruits of that labor, but it like doing it by yourself is just really tiring and exhausting. So when Josh and I started working together, he has, I think Josh, you naturally have kind of that same go-getter mentality because you had been a, an entrepreneur for a couple of years at that point or a year, maybe Yeah, we're almost like a year and a half, two years yeah. at that point. And Josh had been running his own drone company at the time. And so it was good to have somebody on the front lines who had done that and who knew kind of what I was going through. So I, and I remember being like super encouraged because when I would call Josh, um, you know, I was kind of nervous at first because, you know, I'd, I'd seen his website and what his rates were. And like on some of these real estate shoots based on the rates on Josh's website, I couldn't afford him, but it was kind of a thing where I was just like, hey, buddy, just trust me, and I'm going to keep throwing you these shoots like you will be my drone guy. And I, as as big as this thing grows, I'll, I'll stick with you and come to it. And he was, to your credit, man, you were super trusting in that and, and said, yeah, man, whatever, whatever the rate's going to be, let's do it and let's build some momentum here. Well, man, you kind of had your... You're very persuasive, Not, and I don't mean that in a negative way, yeah. but you have this energy about you when you put your mind to something, and that was easy to pick up on. And so, you know, I'd been approached by a lot of people trying to do the real estate thing, and mm. I was like, eh, it's not really, you know, what I'm trying to do, but when you and I first sat down and talked and the bigger vision you had, that was really mm. when, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, I should I should attach myself to this guy because you know, he's going somewhere, and, and, you know, here we are two and a half years he's, later, sitting in our office doing a podcast. Yeah. He's infectious. I think it's the, it's infectious. Is the word. Yeah. His, his whole, his attitude, his whole uh, drive, it is infectious. Um, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I appreciate it's, that, um, guys. It's, it's solid. It's been, it's been a great two and a half years. And, you know, this year, this past 18 months, really, we've really found our stride. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's been a good, it's been a good past 18 months, a lot of big projects, you know, we've brought on some new people, we've got an intern now, <laughs> we've got an yeah. office, like it's... Well, and you know, those first, really, Chris, you came on in August, I guess, mm-hmm. but those first six months, it was, you know, kind of waiting, waiting for the emails and the phone calls to come, you know, working with Josh where I could, but like a lot of cold emails and Facebook messages were sent in that six month period. And I remember like, and not to like, uh, derive that, that process too much. You know, one of our best clients came from a cold email, no doubt. And so, you know, that's, that's the kind of the grind that you have to do. And, and, uh, and you know, you never know when it's going to pay off and and provide a gym like it did for us. Well, I think too, like having been in video production, um, and having had the opportunity to work on some like pretty cool projects before, I don't, nobody said this to me, but I have some friends in the, like the film industry, um, here in Atlanta. And it just felt like when I said, Hey, I'm going to do this real estate thing because it's a way to make money. It's a way to support my family. I almost felt like some of them were like, looked down on that, you know? And to me, it was like, listen, I'm 32 years old and have two kids and a wife. I have to pay the stinking bills, whether you think it's a great career move for me or not. But at the same time, I think We Are Home ATL, for me, has been an incredible experience because it's taught me what to do and in a lot of cases what not to do in running a business. Um, because at its base level, it is a customer service oriented media business with deadlines and um fires to put out and plenty of difficult customers yeah plenty of difficult clients well and and in a lot of cases i understand that because their necks are on the lines uh, when they hire us uh and their businesses if they've got a million dollar property or even more in a lot of cases their necks are on the lines um just as much as ours are if not more so in those those cases. So I get it, but yeah, it's a demanding business. And 
you know, two and a half year, years in now, we're a team of what I guess five uh, five people in some form or fashion, um, and like we stay busy, like all, and it's a, a delicate balance of for me of working in the business and working on the business because it's still the way I pay my family's you know bills is getting out and shooting but if i'm not in the office a couple days a week trying to figure out how we're going to grow how we're going to scale what the next step for our business is then we struggle and it's uh it's a day-to-day kind of balance that we have to to strike there but i want to turn i want to turn to you two guys uh though and um maybe chris first i know you we're obviously we've been close for our whole lives, basically, um, in one form or fashion. I, don't know, I didn't like you till I was about six. So. <laughs> um, but so I know we were talking pretty often in the early days of the business when it first started. But looking back now, I don't remember the point where you said unequivocally, yes, I'm going to come work with you. Because, and I think to your credit, for me, it like always kind of felt like that would be the next step when we needed to grow was to give you that opportunity because we had these big dreams down the road of what to build. But talking about that and then actually making that jump are two different things. So I'm, I wanna, I'm curious to know how you recall that situation and what your thought process was to actually take the leap and do that. Well, like I said, uh, um, you know, I remember your, your initial idea phase when when you were first motivated to do this and you know i remember um you know just how excited you were and i was hesitant for a long time to uh to envision myself in uh taking this uh, this leap with you because um i ha- am not an entrepreneur <laughs> in in the slightest um and you know i'm a very task oriented person i think I think if, if I have somebody who, who gives me tasks and, and says, you know, complete this by this time, you know, for the most part, I do a pretty good job of accomplishing those tasks. But when I'm left to my own devices and left to my own kind of, I guess, self-motivation to accomplish things, um, you know, I, I can struggle with that sometimes. And I know that about myself. And so the idea of me joining a small business was scary at first, for sure, um, because of that and because of knowing my own limitations and, and you know, I uh, respected you and, and I had uh, a whole lot of belief in your vision, but it took some kind of uh, um, some discussion between the two of us. I think throughout mm-hmm. that spring, we had several conversations about how, you know, we would have clear defined roles in this business and, and that you would kind of be an accountability for me to, to make sure that I stayed motivated mm-hmm. and that, uh, you know, I, you know, came to the realization that I felt like you had enough drive for the both of us at times that, that, you know, I could just kind of feed off your energy and and feed off your momentum and it would keep me going as well. And now that I'm in it and, you know, I have some ownership in this thing, you know, I've realized that I've grown a lot more than I thought I would. You know, I certainly feel like, you know, I've, I've, I've taken this thing and, and kind of run with it and, and have done better with it than I thought. But no, it was, a, it took a while. It was probably, um, uh, probably around May, I would say that I kind of made a decision. Okay. Yeah. I want to join him. I want to go home. Another big factor for me was getting back to Atlanta. Like you mentioned, I was in Dalton working for the local newspaper up there. And, uh, you know, I had a, a, a girlfriend, a long-term girlfriend that was back here in Atlanta and uh, was eager to get closer to her. And so personally, there was a lot of motivation for me to get back to Atlanta. But ultimately, just the idea of going to work for my brother and going home and, you know, accomplishing something and building something with him in our hometown, uh, eventually the emotional pull of that just became too much for me. And, so you were blinded uh, to the actual facts and just kind of dove in because <laughs> basically, it was exciting. yeah. But uh, but no, I think it was towards the end of May that I kind of made that decision and uh, brought it up to our parents, and they 
told me I was dumb. <laughs> they uh, discouraged me. <laughs> I remember that conversation. The, they, uh, I'm, I vividly remember, you know, I brought it up to them, said, I think I want to quit my job and, and come and join Jonathan. And then they felt like it was too soon. They felt like he's there, not ready. there wasn't the business wasn't to the point where it could support both of us. And, you know, to their credit, they're right. <laughs> they were right in a sense. You know, I couldn't have come home and, and lived on my own. You know, obviously, I, I moved back in with, with my parents, and, and they have been wonderful in supporting us, you know, outside of that additional conversation, maybe. Yeah. But, um, you know, they, they wanted what's best for us, and, and um, they were, supported me in, in uh, changing my career uh, eventually. But um, at the same time, you know, they weren't right in the sense that, you know, I feel like once I joined and having the flexibility and just kind of the manpower to yeah. expand the business was a big reason why we took off. It was a gas gasoline that we needed really For sure. to not be beholden to one person's schedule yeah. uh, and to begin to, to scale the thing and stretch out. Um, but even, even more than that, like not only did I not have any experience as an entrepreneur, like you mentioned, you know, with Josh, that was one thing that was a comfort to you was, was having somebody who knew that business side. Not only did I not have that, but I had very limited experience in media at, at that point. You know, my background was print, you know, I was a good writer and, you know, working for a small town newspaper, you kind of have to wear wear many hats at times there were a lot of times where i had to shoot my own events and then take my own pictures or do some video do some minor video production but it was all very surface level and to your credit you got me trained up very quickly based on your experience and and i had to lean on you a lot and still do in a lot of cases um on the uh on the actual content creation side but uh um but yeah, and so it, it took a lot of faith. It took a lot of um, uh, effort on both of our parts, I think, to, to get me to the point where, where I could produce at the level that continued to allow our business to grow. Well, to tell you, um, I want you to know that I never took it for granted that um, that was a given, that you would quit your job and kind of drop your career and come... <laughs> Come join forces with me. And I think when you did that, that was kind of the first moment for me that was like, okay. It was it was really encouraging and really scary at the same time because, you know, it's one thing to have me and my family's neck on the line. But when <laughs> now there's uh, there's another link in this chain that's being either pulled to the surface or dra- uh, dragged to the bottom, depending on how the business goes, <laughs> then... <laughs> That was, um, but no, that meant a lot and still does to this day. Uh, so I, I want you to know that. So thank you. But Josh, um, you took quite a circuitous route to <laughs> being a, a entrepreneur. Yeah, um, sure enough. More of, <laughs> I want to talk more about your background and I think it, it's relevant because it, of what you have ended up doing in your career, but how does one become a drone pilot who runs his own company in Gwinnett County, Georgia? <laughs> it's a long story, yeah. uh, but no. My background is actually public safety. You guys mm-hmm. both know that. Um, but what many of you guys listening may not know is there's not a lot of money to be made in public mm-hmm. safety. Yeah, there's great job security, but if you have big ambitions, the, the money's not quite there to, uh, to do big things, at least not you know with the department I was working on. Um, so 2015, and you were not to interrupt you, but you were a firefighter and an EMT. I was a firefighter, right. EMT, uh, focusing on hazardous material response. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, fast forward, uh, we'll go, we'll start in 2014, 2014, I was Georgia rookie firefighter of the year. Um, and that kind of started the downward spiral. Hmm. No. Um, yeah. So 2014 <laughs> rookie firefighter of the year, fast forward to 2015. And I realized that, you know, maybe public service wasn't exactly everything I had chalked it up to be. And hmm. so I bought a one-way ticket to Columbia, South America, not South Carolina, <laughs> Columbia, Columbia, yes. bought a one-way ticket and a Vanham three standard and set out on a backpacking adventure that ended up lasting about a year. Um, and early on, you know, I was just taking pictures and stupid videos for, you know, for my own sake. 
but as I changed countries into Ecuador and on to Peru and then Chile and eventually out to Easter Island, I was getting approached by tour companies and, and hotels um, and at first was bartering my work. So, you know, I was trading, trading photo and video for free nights in a hostel or trading photo and video for a free tour or free this or free that. And by the end of it, I actually got to go out to Easter Island and do some flying for the Chilean Park Service, which is called CONAF. And that was really where the idea was kind of cemented in that, you know, once I get back to the States, there's there's something to this drone game. Hmm. And came back to the States in 16 and you know, put my own thing together and was just kind of doing the freelance thing. A little bit of real estate, a lot of photo, a lot of film and television production, and slowly started finding my way back into the public safety sector, but on the, I guess, on the private side. And now, you know, aside from everything that I get to do here with you two goons, I work for a public safety software company that specializes in drone operations in public safety. And so everything kind of came, you know, full circle in a really, really strange way. <laughs> yeah. And a zigzagging sort of route. Uh, all over the place. There. Yeah. Literally. Yes, all literally all over the place. Quite literally. Um, we're sort of a interesting bunch in that... Uh, none of us had a background in real estate. <laughs> not, not a bit. Uh, and, you know, really, I had some media production background, but in what we do on a day-to-day basis, we sort of just decided we were going to do it and started learning how to do it. Um, and I think that says something for us because I'm proud of the work that we do uh, today. I think we do solid work, and I think we are you know, near the top of our industry in this market, I think there's probably people that do certain things better. But I think what I've been proud of is the breadth of things that we do really well. Do you remember some of those early days? Like just yeah. the ridiculous gear haul outs that we would do. And yeah. We would be at some of these houses for hours. Yes. And now it's it's pretty well a science. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely have become more efficient over the years. I mean... <laughs> I can remember literally spending all day at a couple of properties for six, seven hours between photos and videos and aerials, and it was a lot. I think we were captured every angle we possibly could with Twice. every piece of gear we had. Twice. Yeah. It yeah. was uh, It's funny to look yeah. back on. Because you want to make sure you, you get what you need. Right. And we were capturing a lot more content than we needed, uh, which is thing to do on the front end but the thing I wanted to to pull from that though is that in 2019 you can learn how to do just about anything you want to learn how to do now there's an artistic eye that um, maybe is a little genetic but you can figure out things if you really want to and whether it's through online video tutorials or just reading Uh, in Facebook groups or wherever it is, a lot of how we've learned how to do what we do now has come through those things. We didn't learn it in college, you know, we didn't learn it in, um, you know, from somebody in the business that has been doing it a lot longer. Mm -hmm. It's been feet to the fire, figure out how to get it done. It's definitely been a lot of trial and error and a lot of self-study and really figuring out, you know, the best workflows. Because like you said, we used to capture so much well I mean, we could we could have produced features with, yeah, <laughs> with no doubt. the amount of footage we would no capture doubt. on some of these properties it's also something that's been really hard working with family mm-hmm. and even now Josh I mean like considering you one of my best friends at this point like friend you heard it here first ladies and gentlemen friend <laughs> relationships complicate business relationships 100% and so sometimes like i want to say Josh you screwed the pooch on this and He's i'm not good at that i'm worried i'm worried about his feelings so um it's tough it's tough i'm, I'm but, curious to hear from from josh a little bit about that about seeing the dynamic between myself and jonathan as business partners but also brothers and seeing where those two lines meet yeah so i'm not gonna lie you know early on i had some really 
really big reservations <laughs> on that. I mean, we were what, that first shoot. The first shoot you came with us on was that it's up in Lafayette. Lafayette, Lafayette out there, not in Lafayette, that Lafayette. Yeah, and and I was I was nervous because you know, I hadn't met Chris. I didn't I didn't know you from Adam at the time, and. Like yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hire my brother, and I was like, oh man, nepotism, you know, son in, of uh... friends in business <laughs> rarely work, and now you're gonna bring on your brother to this yeah. new thing we've got going, and I, I was I was anxious, but you know once we got a few shoots under our belt between the three of us, and even you know Chris and I shooting solo, those things kind of dissolved away because you guys. While sometimes the family stuff comes up, you guys do a really good job of of keeping it professional enough <laughs> and and not That's really bickering know. like yeah yeah I, I don't see the the negatives if they are there you guys do a great job at, at keeping things professional enough and we still do like to hang out with each other outside of work sometimes which yeah is and, weird. I, and i mean that was one thing that i think um in particularly, you know, I, I think our mother in particularly was worried about hmm. was our relationship as brothers suffering because of that. And I don't think that's been an issue at all. Thankfully, it helps who we were always really close. I yeah. think, you know, we've always uh, been pretty tight. And, and so, um, you know, it's certainly working with your brother. I don't think it's necessarily for everyone, but I think hmm. uh, for the most part, it's worked out pretty well for us. It's definitely not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Sean Pruitt. Yeah. Shout out. But, uh, so we talked about kind of where we've been and just to update you guys in the the audience. So we are home ATL is still a huge part of our revenue, obviously, but we have expanded to working for some other small businesses and doing uh, kind of branding video work and, and really trying to just set down roots in the local business community to let them know that we're on their side. I think for the local business community to feel like they have an advocate in uh, media and media production was a huge thing for me. And I'm hoping that through this podcast and through uh, working with them in other ways, they're starting to feel that way. And I think I can speak to, you know, the the five-year vision a little bit better since I'm not really involved in the the day-to-day of Mm. things anymore. Um, At least with what we built with We Are Home ATL. chef pilot roles are pretty hands-off. Chef pilot's very (laughs) (laughs) hands-off. At least, you know, what we've built... Thus far, with We Are Home ATL, this this is a proven business model. This this could go anywhere. This could be a nationwide thing in five years. There, it's whoa, killer! Hey, hey, that sounds you, stressful. I'm a shoot the moon kind of guy, you know me. But I mean, why not a We Are Home Nashville or you know a We Are Home Tallahassee or a We Are Home Charlotte? It's it's something that can nobody wants to live in Tallahassee. That's that's really true. I don't know why I threw Tallahassee in there, but it's something that's easily replicatable and. And if we can, if we can get it to that step, I think it would be incredible for all parties involved. But I do like the fact that, you know, Chris has really stepped up into, for lack of a better term, a manager's role and is yeah. really driving this ship. And like like he said, it's given John a whole crapload of time to really focus more on the creative side of things, and that's the stuff that really excites me is the creative yeah. stuff. Hmm. And so if we can continue on this trajectory that we're on where, you know, Chris, you're, you're pretty well stepping in and running the show. I mean, honestly. Yeah. When I have babies and leave for the week to, to do projects. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's, that's where I see things going maybe on the three years mm. that, you know, Chris steps up to run We Are Home ATL and. We just get to keep focusing more on some of this creative stuff. Yeah. It's a beautiful dream, I think. Um, For me, I'm excited about what you guys have both said with Chris taking more of a leadership role in your home ATL. That's huge. But I also know that his strength is in uh, the storytelling and the writing side. And so I'm looking forward, Chris, we've talked a little bit about expanding – uh, the Atlanta born and brand umbrella to include some some really solid written content that maybe uh, you know there are situations <laughs> where an audio podcast isn't going to work great. I'm not going to you know throw anybody under the bus, but some people just aren't great on audio interviews. Maybe that's a great situation where Chris goes in and tells their story through a written article. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, <laughs> <laughs> quite a number of minutes, um, but. 
Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, I know you're a little rusty, but get ready because I think that's coming. Um, and then two, Josh, I know you talked about taking the real estate model and expanding that. I think that's certainly a possibility because it's a model that we, we know now and, and that we could grow. But I think serving Atlanta in a better way is still a huge opportunity. I mean, we're still a five-person company and there are 25,000 realtors in Atlanta that um, could really use our services. So whether that's having different teams uh, in different pockets of the city, so we're not putting 50,000 miles a year on each one of our cars, that might help. But also expanding what we're doing with Connects Media in general around the city, telling more stories. There's Um, 25,000 realtors, but how many small businesses? How many... uh, many, just you know day-to-day people who are accomplishing great things in our city yeah. who who have a story to be told yeah. the entrepreneurs the hustlers yep. the brand makers the creators yeah the makers this is definitely a footy yeah. of a city full of them no doubt and i think we can triple down on atlanta and be just fine um in a lot of ways because i think there are small businesses out there that have incredible stories i just think about gino's the other a couple weeks ago a couple episodes episodes ago been going to that guy as a barber for three years now, Chris, you close to like nine or 10. And we never knew just like the depths of what their story was and the incredible, awesome, lofty dreams that they have for taking their model and, and empowering other barbers to then go on and own their own shops that have these incredible reputations of awesome customer service. To me, when we got to tell that story, that that was just a glimpse into the future for me of, okay, how many other of these stories are out there in Atlanta that whether it's through Connects Media and those businesses come to us and hire us to tell those stories or whether it's through Atlanta Born and Brand where we're just telling the best possible stories we can get our hands on because we feel like the city needs to know them. I think the possibilities are endless there. Um, yeah. How many how many Genos do you think you meet on a on a day to day basis? Just, exactly. Just going about life no in the city, that that have an amazing story that that no one ever knows. Yeah, and I think people people are suckers for a good story, uh, and how much better can this community be made if we all know each other's stories in a way that motivates us to support each other um, in a more real way. Did you make Gino cry? I think I might have made Gino cry a little bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Gino definitely wiped some tears away. Which, by the way, shout out Gino and Alex. Yeah, no doubt. Jonathan Jonathan has that skill, though, Josh. I don't he know does. if you know. He, he's he a does. shark. It's a monster. He's a, a shark. Yeah. He, uh, he'll he'll make you cry he when he's told your story. <laughs> I've been doing this for a little while, guys. <laughs> Quite a number of minutes, as Alex said. No. Um, yeah, not all of our stories are going to make people cry, and that's okay. But if you finish listening to a podcast or reading an article that Chris wrote or watching a video that Connects Media produced – and you feel like you know the person on the other end of that story in a way that you would never get from reading an article from the local newspaper or, you know, watching a cursory piece of, of um, you know, content on the local news, on TV, then we've done our jobs. And I'm excited to see where that takes us in the future. Good, good talk, guys. Um, as, well, as a little way of introduction, we have one more guest on the show today and this person I think is probably the unsung hero of Connects Media uh, because I sing about her all the time I don't know (laughs) she she allows it to exist so that's nice Um, and I think she has some great perspective for um, the wives of crazy people who decide to be entrepreneurs and um, she is now a mom of three which is a freaking crazy job. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, and so I'm looking forward to you guys being able to hear from Aaron on just this crazy journey. But first and foremost, thanks guys. Appreciate you. Thank you, Jonathan. We appreciate you. We love you. All right, this got weird. We care about you so much. <laughs> Aaron Hilliard, everybody. Aaron Hilliard. 
My name is Erin Hilliard. I am the wife of the host. <laughs> I was about to say that last name sounds familiar. <laughs> I have heard a lot of podcasts and a lot of speakers and entrepreneurs talk about um, their wives and how supportive they are or how supportive they aren't in some cases. And it's not that I don't believe them because I do for the most part. And I think it's important that your wife be supportive, but also know that it's not just easy as easy as saying, Hey, be supportive and I'm going to go do something crazy. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was important to get your perspective on this whole process and journey that we've been on with Connext Media. Mm-hmm. And I want to start by asking you the question, and I know we've talked about it a little bit, but a couple years removed now, a few mm-hmm. years removed, do you remember the first time I said to you, hey, I think I'm ready to start my own business? <laughs> Do I remember the first time you said that? Yeah. No, I remember that being a thought in your brain for, I feel like, the length of our marriage. Mm -hmm. But then when you, yes, when you said you were ready, you think it was now when you told me your ideas, I was pretty skeptical. little freaked out (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially about the place that you were wanting to move me back to (laughs) okay for context you are not an atlanta native no like like myself no you are from a very small town Mm -hmm. um well not very very small town but Mm -hmm. a pretty small town in south carolina Mm -hmm. and you lived in atlanta for what was it like six months mm-hmm. um, when we were engaged. Yes. Tell me your impressions of <laughs> Atlanta when uh, you spent those six months here. Well, I feel like life was a little crazy because I was living with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> I was... A theme that we might revisit here though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> History has a way of repeating itself. Um And I was working as a home health nurse, so I was out and about in the traffic a lot. Mm -hmm. And I swore I would, once we moved, that I was never going to move back to Atlanta, (laughs) nor be a home health nurse. (laughs) And I ended up doing both. (laughs) So, um, we get married and we're gone from here for, was it six years? Mm -hmm. Somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And I came to a conference here, and I came back to South Carolina where we were living at the time, and I tell you, hey, I'm ready to start a my own media company, and I think we need to do that in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. The thoughts going on in your head at that time are... <laughs> stream of consciousness for me. <laughs> at first... I did not, I just don't, didn't want to move again. Yeah. I didn't want to move again and I didn't want to move to Atlanta and didn't want to leave my friends, didn't want to leave South Carolina. So lots of not want tos (laughs) going through my mind at first. Not all of them came out of my mouth. I don't think. I don't don't think so either. Thank goodness. But... Yeah, it was definitely not expected nor <laughs> really desired <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you eventually came around. Mm-hmm. I think having grandparents close by was probably a big factor in that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we had just had our second child, or we were about to have our second child as mm-hmm. we were discussing this potential move. Um, I had a really good job. I didn't necessarily have a great paying job. <laughs> that was probably a factor in your brain. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So looking back now, did I do a good enough job ahead of time 
convincing you that this was a good idea or do you ultimately feel like you just kind of had to throw your hands up and say okay I guess I'm gonna trust them on this we should divulge that in order to make this um, budding business work we made a pretty major decision that we made reference to a little (laughs) earlier and that was that we were gonna move back in with my family. Now, I remember the first time I suggested that, and I <laughs> sort of remember the look on your face when I did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when I said, hey, to really make this happen, we should probably move in with my folks. <laughs> Care- careful on this one, because my folks <laughs> listen to the podcast. <laughs> Love you, Mom and Dad. Yes, love you. Your thoughts were? (laughs) My thoughts were... (laughs) My thoughts were, I... This is going to be crazy. Yeah. 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 It's going to be hard, and it's going to be crowded. (laughs) (laughs) And it was. And it was. Yeah. It was. But there was lots of good that came along with that. Um, I had a newborn, and there was a Mimi right there with her arms wide open that was willing to help. Ruining that child for life. (laughs) She's still her favorite. (laughs) Slash, she's his favorite. favorite. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Mimi, for that support over those six Mm -hmm. months and ever since, really. Eight months. Eight months. Were we there for eight months? Eight months. I've been telling people we were there for six months. <laughs> well, I was there for six months when we were engaged. Oh, then, right. Then that was eight months before you we were there it. for eight months. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, like you just said, we didn't really have a reference point for what life as an entrepreneurial family was going to be like. Mm-hmm. We're now, I guess, two and a half years in, uh, pretty close to that. And I think one thing that we talked about when we made this move was, hey, I'll have more control over my schedule and Mm. maybe it'll be a little less crazy and busy (laughs) and more conducive to having a family. That was dumb. (laughs) (laughs) But what is life as the wife of an entrepreneur like for you now? in mm. in relation to how our family earned its income, you know, our schedule, our lifestyle. How's that been for you? Well, I don't miss the sports um, schedule. <laughs> I don't miss you having to work most weekends and lots of nights. There's still that to <laughs> some extent, but you're usually working at home (laughs) after we go to bed. Um, if you're working at night, um, or a random twilight shoot, um, your favorite thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I know that for me it has to, I have to be flexible and I have to know that things change and, it's not a nine to five. I can't expect mm. you to be home, you know, at five thirty, especially when we live in Beaufort. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I know that there's just going to be a lot of demand on your plate because you are owner, and so mm. everything eventually falls back to you. Um, mm. So yeah, I don't know. Just in my mind, I've had to be a little. Even though, I don't know from your perspective, if I seem flexible Mm. (laughs) or if I seem relaxed in that way. But um, I think over time I've learned a little bit more to relax in that way. Do you, I don't know if I've asked you this. Are you ever scared or worried that this will all go away? Hmm. That the business will fail and we'll be kind of back to square one. Yeah, I don't entertain that thought um, very often. I think I had the thought um, in the beginning just wondering if it was going to ever 
sustain our family. Um, and I was like, our goal eventually was for me to be able to stay home with the kids and, um, happy to say that has recently (laughs) happened. Um, and so not anytime recently have I been worried. Um, and yeah, so now we don't live a very lavish lifestyle (laughs) on this, this one salary currently. Now that we have three children (laughs) under the age of five. Yes. But um, I do want to tell you, though, that I think all those things that you've mentioned over the last 10, 15 minutes or so, I think the thing I've been most impressed about and has been most comforting for me is that... I don't think you said one time to me or asked me in the last two and a half years, what are you going to do if this doesn't work out? Hmm. And I think that that would have been a completely legitimate question for you to ask. <laughs> um, but I don't know if that was because you didn't want to hurt my feelings or because <laughs> you had confidence and faith that we were going to be provided for um, regardless. But... Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, The answer to that question is, you know, I can always drive Uber. (laughs) And you have. And I have. (laughs) And I have. um, You know, I'd like to think that maybe I'm hireable by somebody else. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Talented guy. Thanks. Appreciate (laughs) that. Um, What are you most excited about for the future of our lives together our family business um just kind of the path and direction that we're going in Hmm. you're asking me in a postpartum period where everything (laughs) seems a little cloudy right now (laughs) but uh we have a three-month-old by the way not even not even she's 10 weeks old um No, I'm excited to see where the business goes. I'm excited to see you sort of take it in more of a direction that you originally wanted to. Hmm. I feel like a couple of times I've said, well, maybe when this happens, he won't be as busy. But I feel like (laughs) that's probably not going to happen. I think that's... Part of that is your nature to just, you're just a go-getter. And, um, I don't, I don't know that you'll ever be like fully satisfied delegating all your tasks. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but. And I hope you're not like really excited about me retiring someday because that's probably never going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Haven't thought that far ahead. (laughs) Um, yeah. So. Well, thank you. You're welcome. For your time. Mm-hmm. By the way, you are a trooper because we interrupted our date night to record this segment <laughs> of the podcast. And our dog has been snoring on the floor, so <laughs> I don't know if y'all can hear that. By the way, talk about loving Atlanta. Our dog, Murphy, mm-hmm. is lying next to us. He is 10 years old, and he is sawing a log right now. <laughs> Something fierce. But anything you want to add to this conversation that you feel like the audience or maybe wives of other entrepreneurs or spouses of other entrepreneurs Mm. should know about this process or, or any words of wisdom. Gosh, I feel like, um, there wasn't really anyone to talk to that had been in my shoes when we started this process. So, Mm. um, I think if I were to tell myself three years ago (laughs) something wise um, in regards to this whole process, um, I'd just say be, have more faith in your husband. Um, I feel like that, you know, has grown our marriage a lot in the past few years is just like, going on this sort of adventure together and like me, yeah, just sort of blindly trusting you. (laughs) Um, 
blindly, that might be a little strong. <laughs> like I said, I had no idea what it would look like. That's what I mean by blindly. Yeah. Um, I definitely think you have natural entrepreneurial tendencies. You are a go-getter and a person who, once you decide something, you do it um, or put things in place to get it done. Um, and I think that obviously needs to be a trait of an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, and (laughs) it's just evidenced by our short dating and engagement (laughs) (laughs) once he decided he was, you know, on board with me. (laughs) Yeah. Things happen quickly and that's really just been the pattern of things and decisions along the way since I think then. I think it was about the same amount of time that it took me to decide that I was going to start my own business after mm-hmm. you know we first started conversations what about three four months yep <laughs> yeah good. yes well thank you again mm-hmm. you're welcome carry on <laughs> Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you might happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.